1: Blue Liar. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Part of the- Stafford it up, going left side, Watch Calvin, end zone, got him, oh baby that was a
0: rocket! And it's picked off, intercepted by Darius Slade, no one will catch him, touchdown Lions! Hello and welcome to another episode of The Michael Rothstein Show. I am your host, Michael Rothstein. This episode brought to you by Indeed and by Bet Online. So, we have our guest. Today is Friday, which means it's preview day. We'll have our guest, David Newton, who covers the Carolina Panthers for ESPN, coming up right after the break. We want to get right out at the top, though, and say we recorded this Thursday morning, and obviously a lot has happened with. The Lions from Thursday morning until Friday morning. And the biggest news in there is that DeAndre Swift, the team's starting running back, the team's top running back, the team's most emergent rookie, now has a concussion. Don't know what that's going to mean for his status. However, for him to really go through concussion protocol, one would think at this point it's potentially unlikely that he will be available Sunday against Carolina. And obviously, depending on the severity of anything, Who knows if he'll be available for Thanksgiving against Houston. Obviously, brain injuries are very serious deals. And let's be very straight here that a concussion is an injury on the brain. And that's just what it is. Fact. And I know some people don't love that that gets called a brain injury, but I'm going to go to mayoclinic.org and read exactly what they say a concussion is. A concussion is a traumatic brain injury that affects your brain function. Effects are usually temporary, but can include headaches and problems with concentration, memory, balance, and coordination. Concussions are usually caused by a blow to the head. Violently shaking of the head and upper body can also cause concussions. So just wanted to get that definition out there because I think sometimes people forget Exactly what that is. And I know that some reporters call it brain injuries, some call it concussions, but a concussion is a brain injury. And there's no doubt about that. Again, the Mayo Clinic, which is the arbiter for so many things medicine, that's how they define it. So, obviously, first, hope DeAndre Swift gets better as fast as he can because I've talked to people who have had concussions. I've had a couple of concussions. Uh, in my life, that they stink man they're they 're awful, and i 've talked to players who have had them, and they 're just they 're rough they 're not they're they 're brutal, especially in the day and days after so hopefully DeAndre Swift is not having a serious concussion, not having a a long lasting concussion gets back soon, but more importantly gets healthy. So without DeAndre Swift, if he's unable to play, what does that mean for the Lions? That means you could see a lot more of Adrian Peterson. It could mean, could mean we see the return of on Johnson to a potential larger role within the offense. One would think, with based on how the offense has run, you might see a combination of those backs depending on the game script, depending on what's going on in the game, one would think it might be heavy carry on Johnson if the Lions are behind, heavy Adrian Peterson if the Lions are ahead. We'll see if they use Jonathan Williams at all. That could be a really interesting dynamic there, too, even though he hasn't gotten much work at all, again, if Swift can't play. And you'll be curious to see as well if they call anybody up from the practice squad to take Swift's place as a one-time roster exemption, and then that player gets a decent amount of work. We've seen that in other teams, including Carolina, who's done that with Reggie Bonifon in the past. So that's a big problem for the Lions, and it just accentuates the injury issues Detroit has on its offense right now. Right now, every skill position starter on the Lions is dealing with some sort of injury going from major to minor. Matthew Stafford obviously dealing with a right thumb injury. He practiced on a limited basis. Still get the feeling he's going to play, frankly, but it's going to be something to monitor. DeAndre Swift, we now know what he is dealing with. Kenny Galladay, dealing with a hip injury, did not practice, at least according to the practice report, on Thursday— Cool reporter Kyle Meinke from Live, who was the representative from the press corps out there today. That's how we've been doing it this year instead of all being out there uh, on our own. He saw Kenny Galladay running around, running through some routes. He put it that he felt like Kenny Galladay was on track to play, which is why it was surprising then to see Kenny Galladay come down with a no-practice injury designation. When I was out there on Wednesday, saw Kenny Galladay. He looked pretty good. I posted some video of him on Twitter. And, you know, again, you thought maybe he's on track to play. He's What happens with him is going to be something to watch on Friday. Don't forget, they do play Sunday and then they play Thursday. So this could be Matt Patricia trying to make sure that he doesn't overwork Kenny Galladay on his way back to make sure he's able to play, obviously, Sunday and then on Thursday, as long as he's healthy. Marvin Jones dealing with a knee injury. He went from no practice on Wednesday to a limited practice on Thursday, but clearly he's being bugged by knee injuries. Marvin Jones has dealt with knee injuries a couple times in his career now. Danny Amendola hasn't practiced either day with a hip injury. In good news there, Jamal Agnew has practiced fully now for a couple days, coming off of a ribs injury. So this could be a big opportunity for Jamal Agnew out of the slot, especially also if DeAndre Swift is unable to go because he's a guy that theoretically you could line up in the backfield as a running back too. And not only those three receivers, but TJ Hawkinson still dealing with a toe injury. So all of Matthew Stafford's primary weapons currently dealing with some sort of injury. So this offense is very, 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 very banged up. Halapuli Vitae obviously also dealing with an injury as well as he has been all season long. So the Lions offense is going to be really, really interesting to see. On Sunday, how much certain guys play, what guys are available, how they move, how they maneuver, how much is Matthew Stafford able to do, all of that, big, giant questions. Of course, Carolina's also got their own injury questions, and again, some of this was discovered after we recorded our podcast with David Newton, Christian McCaffrey, we know it's out, but Teddy Bridgewater, apparently, according to Tom Pelissero, not trending toward playing, and we talk a lot about Will Greer and Phillip Walker on the podcast here, so you'll learn a little bit about them, but it is entirely possible that you could see two really, really banged up offenses playing here on Sunday when the Lions are at Carolina. One last thing I want to draw attention to before we get into break and then we get into the podcast with David Newton is if you haven't read it yet, go find the Players' Tribune article written by Marvin Jones about what the past year of his life has been like. It was a very well-written article. It was written as a letter to his kids, and it was emotional. It was raw. It was honest. It was open. It, It showed how much Marvin Jones loves his children and how hard this year has been for him, for his wife, for their kids after the death of their youngest son. Uh. It ends on a positive note, too, uh, where they say they're actually going to be having another child in February, which is awesome to hear. And Marvin Jones has always been a a really, really good to me Uh, and just so happy to hear that that him and his family are 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 doing what they can. And, you know, there's really no other words to say about that and. Uh, I mean, I think we talked about it when when his son died a little bit on the podcast. But I highly recommend you go read Marvin Jones' uh, piece on the Players' Tribune. He talked a lot about how his teammates and his coaches really got him and his wife and, and their other children through it as well with the support that they showed. And I know that's something that Marvin Jones has talked about in the past. So, again, highly recommend you read that. Go check it out. It's on the Players' Tribune. Um, And with that, we will head to break, and then we'll be back with David Newton, ESPN beat reporter covering the Carolina Panthers, right after this. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over, much to the happiness of probably everybody. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number 1 job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly. So you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time. And there are no long-term contracts. That's right. No long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new New way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month according to Comscore total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Faster than even Matt Prater's 59-yard field goal went through the uprights. Try Indeed out with a 375 $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And football, as we have seen... Is very much back in full swing. And you might not be at a game this year. Only 500 or so people can be in Lions games over the last couple of home games, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season-opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now, back to our show. My next guest on the Michael Rothstein Show covers the Carolina Panthers. He's been in Charlotte forever, David Newton. Welcome to the Michael Rothstein Show.
1: Forever sounds like a long time. This year sounds like a long time, but yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I mean, this year has felt like I think I've classified it on this show between anywhere between like five years and like twenty. <laughs> Just that's, that's that
1: fair. I, it's been. I mean. I just can't wait for it to be over with. It just feels like it's never going to end, and uh, yeah, and it's when you're covering a team that's lost five straight, it makes it even longer.
0: <laughs> I, I would not know what you are speaking of. I have never done that in my entire career. Nope, not last year. Not in 2018. Not, <laughs> you know. I I have never covered da- bad football, David Newton. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, You live
1: bad football. You live it every day. You have for years. But (laughs) I actually covered the uh, Panther team once, and I'm really dating myself. That lost 15 straight. They 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 won their opener at Minnesota, and then lost their next 15 games. That was dreadful.
0: That's pretty bad. I mean, the Lions lost what 11 straight between last year and this year. At one point, I think that was right. So you know, there's been a lot of losing. uh, Without a Doubt, which kind of leads me to Sunday because what are what's going on with the Panthers right now it seems like offensively they don't have any weapons or many weapons rather
1: well I think they've got plenty of weapons offensively they've been uh, that's not been the issue I mean the issue to me is that they just they haven't had to finish games. third quarter's been horrible for them they'll, they'll start off fine and they get in the third quarter they haven't scored on their first drive of the third quarter all season I mean it's been it's been so bad and it's really kind of put them behind the eight ball and they've they've been in most of their games like Tampa Bay's been the only team that's really been able to kind of put some distance between them and and, and make it kind of a blowout and every other game just look at the chiefs game a few weeks ago it was 33 31 the Panthers had the ball down the end they had a chance to to go in there and maybe win that game and they they, they did that same with New Orleans and several other really good teams. And they just haven't found ways to to finish games. I think that's part of being a young team uh, with so much inexperience. Uh, The defense is just not in a position now with the injuries and just a lack of overall talent to experience to to go in there and make those key stops in the fourth quarter when you've got to do that. Um, But offensively, I I predicted before the season that this team would give teams fits just because of the weapons. I mean, when Teddy Bridgewater's on his game and they give him time to, to throw, he's been as good as anybody in the league almost and um, Christian McCaffrey, the problem with him, he's been out. He's going to be out again this week, but you know, this eight games. And, but when he's in the lineup, I mean, they're explosive. And DJ Moore has really been kind of a disappointment this year at receiver, but he's, you know, two weeks ago, he, he had a big, or excuse me, last week he had a big game and um, Curtis Samuel was emerging and um, you know, Robbie Anderson, who is really nothing much for the Jets, is really – he's fifth in the league in receiving yards. Uh, the problem has been just finishing off drives. They they can put a lot of yards up there. They just can't get it in the end zone consistently. And I think not having Christian is a big reason for that. I believe they're like nine for nine in the red zone with McCaffrey there and, and bad for the world, you know, when he's not in there.
0: Yeah, when I was saying that, I was really referring to McCaffrey and really the question mark around Teddy Bridgewater because I guess let's jump in right there. Where do you think things are with Teddy Bridgewater? Do you expect him to play Sunday at this point? Is that going to be even a game-time decision? And and what do they do if they don't have him?
1: Well, Matt Rule indicated that it could go all the way to the game time. I mean, Teddy worked on the side on Wednesday, expected him to do more on Thursday. Teddy will play if he can – My question is why, why even go out and put him out there? Um, He he may not be a hundred percent and be able to scramble around. The good news is Detroit can't put pressure on the quarterback any better than Carolina. I think between them, they've got what, 24 sacks. I think half the league's got more sacks than them combined. Um, And so I think it's time to get a look at Will Greer and PJ Walker and just see what they can do because right now the Panthers are lining up for a top 10 pick. And If Teddy's not what they consider the long-term solution, if they don't think Greer or P.J. Walker can be a long-term solution, they could be in a position where they need to take a quarterback with a top-ten pick. And so I I think it would be best to sit him and and give him another week and then he could return, you know, next week against Minnesota where he started his career and where he had that horrific injury back in 2016 in training camp. Um, But otherwise, Teddy will give it a go if he can. He's just that that kind of guy and he has been really great to deal with and um it was funny last week he showed up at his uh zoom conference wearing a, a referee shirt and i thought it was kind of funny because it came right after they had i think a season high 12 penalties against the chiefs and i asked him if there was any co- coincidence and he blew a fake whistle on me and said you're penalized no question but uh, yeah I, I i think it's probably 50 50 that he'll play um Again, Matt Rule wants to win. He, he doesn't feel like this is a rebuilding, like it was at Baylor and Temple for him. He, he feels like they could have won this year, and um, the fact they've been in most of their games, I think, is an indication they really could have. If again, all the injuries have really piled up. I mean, you look at their defense. Kwan Short, the Pro Bowl defensive tackle, he's not there. Um, Christian McCaffrey's missed eight games, and, and just those two alone are, are two big cogs for pieces of the, the puzzle there. So. Um, I I think this team right now has got to start looking ahead to probably 2021 and and just want to play. And some of those young players just give them experience.
0: So how would this offense change if it ends up being Greer or Walker or or a combination of both?
1: I don't think they'll change at all. I I, I think they'll continue to do what they feel. Matt Rule said it over and over. He said, I feel like we've got three quarterbacks can win games in the NFL. The problem is only one of those three quarterbacks has actually proven he can win in the NFL. And that's Teddy Bridgewater. And he's only won three of his seven starts here this year. You know, Will Greer was 0-2 last year. And P.J. Walker's just been in for a couple of snaps. And his only wins really came in the XFL. So I think it's time to find out. I, but I don't think it'll change at all. It really didn't change when Christian McCaffrey was out of the lineup. They used Mike Davis the same way. Um, he's not quite as dynamic as, as McCaffrey. But you look at his receptions and um his rushing yards I mean he's been very productive in there so I don't think they lose a lot in fact it's I was kind of joking around they're almost better sometimes without McCaffrey in there if you look they're they're what oh and three I think this year with McCaffrey and and they've lost 11 straight with McCaffrey going back to last year so um with Mike Davis they're actually won three games so again they I think the way it's kind of like the receiver situation, you know, why hasn't DJ Moore got more catches? Why has Robbie Anderson not been more productive the last few weeks? Because Teddy just goes to whoever's open and, and he doesn't focus in on one receiver. And that's kind of the way this offensive design is go with the hot hand, whoever's, whoever's open and whoever creates separation. And so it's spread around. I mean, Curtis Samuel had 105 yards a couple of weeks ago in a breakout game. And he also, and he's doing a lot of Christian McCaffrey's like stuff playing running back and receiver. So Again, I don't think the weapons is the issue. A lot of it all comes back to protecting the quarterback, and I think if that's the case, Will Greer or P.J. Walker can run this offense well.
0: If they take away Mike Davis, because Bridgewater, obviously, if he plays, isn't going to be 100%. Greer, you don't really know what you're going to get out of him. Walker, you don't know how to get out of You're going to get out of him. Is maybe the key for the Lions this week, if you're able to neutralize Mike Davis, you kind of put Carolina in a bad spot.
1: Well, you do, but if Teddy's in there, I I, I think he can handle that. I mean, he he's fine with carrying the load. So if. The question is, if, if they're going with Will Greer or P.J. Walker, and the plan is, if, if they have to go that route, is to play both of them because they want to find out who the true number two is because they've had the, both of them active for their backup spot at various times during the season because they want to create that competition. Um, so this is their time, as Matt Rules said yesterday, said so we want to find out who that true number two is. I, I, yeah, you could take Mike Davis away, but, again, I mean, if you do that and and, and – leave a DJ Moore or leave a Curtis Samuel or um, Robbie Anderson open, they're going to burn you. So, I mean, they've got speed, they've got, uh, you know, playmaking abilities. So I don't think you can just focus on shutting down one player and and come
0: off a winner. When you look at their offensive line, is part of the problem too that Russell Okung hasn't – well, he's not – the way you reported it, it sounds like he's not going to play Sunday. What does that potentially do and and how how has that affected things?
1: Yeah, that that left tackle position has been a mess for quite a long time, actually. Um, and they thought Russell could come in there and, and settle things down. And he did to a degree. And when he was playing, he did well. But he's what? this is his third straight game. He's not going to play this week. Matt Rule has already ruled him out. Um, so they're going to have to – they're looking at those young guys. And, and you know, O'Connor's Ru- 31. We've got a big contract. So – do you re-sign him for big numbers? I don't think so. I think they move on from him. So they want to find what they got in, in Greg Little and Trent Scott. And they and then Daly. They like Daly, who's been playing more guard, but he's gotten a couple starts here lately. Um, so they, they like the potential they have in some of these guys, but they haven't been consistent with what they've got in the game. So, yeah, if, and, and that's going to be key. I mean, the Lions may be the one of the worst pass rush teams in the league, but, you know, if the left tackle is not performing well, they'll be able to get some pressure on on whoever's the quarterback. Now, that was my key – one of my keys to, or, to watch for this game.
0: So, what have they done on the offensive line then to kind of – have they been able to solidify it at all at left tackle? I mean, it sounds like no. Well, they've gotten moments where they've been good. I mean, when
1: Russell plays, I mean, I like the rest of their line. This, you know, John Miller at right guard. I mean, they haven't missed Trey Turner a bit for moving on from the Pro Bowl right guard they had. Their, their center, uh, Matt Paradis, he's been – very consistent uh Taylor Moten at at right tackle has been very consistent I think the offensive line other than an inconsistency because of injuries at left tackle has been really good um and and if you look at the games where they've been you know competitive with really good teams they protected Bridgewater giving him time and and he's made the most out of it the games where they've struggled most of those have been against Tampa Bay which is really good at pressure quarterback they've struggled. So uh, again, that's why I think it all comes down to which, which one of these teams, whether it's Carolina or, um, or the lions can get pressure on that quarterback. Cause I think that's going to decide the game.
0: When you look at the defense, is this, is this defense recovered from losing Luke Kuechly?
1: Uh, no, I was, I was watching uh, one of the sports shows and they were having some highlights of Luke Kuechly yesterday. And I'm like, Holy cow, you forget how great he was. and, to, to hear Whitehead, a veteran they signed to, to replace Keekley in the middle, he's been very inconsistent. I mean, yeah, he's played okay, but just okay. And, not, and Luke Keekley played great, lights out. Um, I, I think if Luke Keekley had been on this defense, as young as it is, as inexperienced as it is, they'd already have at least two more wins. Um, he had that much as far as playmaking ability, coverage, rushing a quarterback, just anticipating calls um they, they don't have anybody that can do that I know they've, they've tried to get that um with Shaq Thompson their outside linebacker who's their you know most experienced guy returning gave a big contract in the offseason but but even Shaq's been inconsistent so I I think there's a lot of nice pieces on this defense I like the fact they used all their draft picks on the defensive side I, I think Derek Brown and the defensive tackle is going to be a star I, I think maybe the NFL defensive player of the year could be Jeremy Chen, their second-round pick. He has played lights out. Um, he is all over the place, and there's so many different positions. He, he lines up. Uh, 13, I think, I, in a story I wrote last week, so they don't know where he's going to be, and I think they've got some nice pieces. I think they've got to focus on the secondary, shore that up next year, maybe add another piece on the defensive line, but you're right. Luke Kuechly, it, to me, that, that was the glue that held the defense together, even during their bad times, and I would have loved to seen what this defense could have done with him in the middle.
0: You mentioned Tyre Whitehead, obviously Lions fans very familiar with him because he got a start here. Has it just been inconsistency with him or like, because one of the knocks on him when he was here was that he couldn't really cover anybody. And it was, he was a really good run defender. And that was basically what you were getting out of him. Is that still basically what you were seeing in Carolina?
1: Yeah, his coverage has not been good at all. I mean, they, that's why they're using jeremy chin to 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 help out there. I mean everybody thought he was going to be a safety coming out of the draft. But he's lined up with outside linebacker. he's lined up everywhere i mean and 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 he's had the time to take on some of that role, but he can't do it all and um that that's been a big thing, yeah, he's been decent at stopping the run, but if you look at the ninety eight yard touchdown run Tampa Bay had last week yeah the they came blitzing on the the right side with with uh, jeremy Chin, but then they're young you tour, uh, gross my Who you think's gonna be a good player down the road. Yeah, you know, he doesn't he didn't slant where he was supposed to slant and the here went to the to the left and it was a gaping hole right up the middle. I think you and I could have run, you know, at least twenty yards with there before somebody caught us.
0: I would say I probably couldn't, let's be honest. My speed just ain't there. We would have pulled a hamstring, sure. Oh yeah, I mean I would have Daniel Jones did. I would have been going, going. I am like six yards and just falling on my face. Let's be honest. I mean that's just what would have happened there. <laughs> You mentioned –
1: Yeah, it would have been a disaster.
0: Yeah, it would have been bad. You mentioned Kaylon Short. They obviously have Derek Brown. The fact that – I'm guessing the plan initially was to play the two of them together and have – and be able to plug the middle, so therefore those those situations wouldn't happen. Has the loss of Short also been one of the thing, reasons that maybe this run defense hasn't been particularly good?
1: Yeah, with well, you to put Short in the middle with, with, with Derek Brown – I mean, they're going to demand a lot of double teams there, and that would have free up the, free up the edge to be even stronger. And I, I think that's a huge reason. I mean, you're basically relying on Derrick Brown to be your leader now as a, as a rookie in the middle of this defense. So to, to me, there the are only really two playmakers they have on this defense right now, like right? true, true playmakers, are Brian Burns, their defensive end, and Jeremy Chinn. And the other guys are just playing okay or well right now. Um, I think that the, the guy that the, the Lions really need to worry about, though, is Brian Burns. He coming off the edge has become quite a force. You're not getting a lot of sacks out of him, but I think he's had three strip sacks this year. But he, he's getting pressure, and, and um, as, as their defensive coordinator, Phil Snow, has said, he said, I think in college football where he spent most of his career, although he was with the Detroit Lions, before you were born probably, but um, he he felt like that sacks were more important in college football, pressure is more important in the NFL, and, and they're getting that with him. He's, he's, he was talking to us the other day about his ghost move, his spin move, you know, just his, his bull rush. I mean, every he's really starting to perfect a lot of things and becoming a, a true force to deal with. And so if the Lions are weak on that side of the, the offensive line, I, I, I think he's going to produce quite a bit of problems.
0: Where does Bur- where do they typically line Burns up? Do they move him around? Is he typically lined up against the le- on the left tackle? Is he typically lined up on the right tackle? Where? where do they'll he- move
1: him around. He'll play up on the right side a lot. So yeah, the left tackle will see him a lot.
0: That should be actually a really interesting matchup because Taylor Decker is playing at a Pro Bowl level. He's given up maybe one sack, but most people have him as no sacks this year. I mean, that where is Burns's strength? You think? that that could cause decker some problems is it speed is it power is it hand movement is it footwork where is it
1: it's a little bit of all i mean last year he broke his hand I actually had a it was a he broke it pounding the turf because he was ticked off that he didn't get a block punt and he literally that he had to wear a brace or a, a cast at times on his hand so he couldn't be they like to call it violent with his hands coming off the line, and, and that really hampered him. So he's able to do that more now, but his speed is unbelievable. he—he I mean, he, They brought him in last year to, to play basically outside linebacker in a 3-4, so now he's lining up defensive end a lot and a 4-3. But he, he actually drops back in coverage at times. Um, but I think just that edge, the speed he uses coming off the edge, um, you got to be ready for that because I think that's his best move. Where He, he ducks down low. Um, he he likes to call himself Spider Man because he thinks he's, that's his that's his hero and he does his Spidey celebration moves after sacks. So uh, keep an eye on that because he's he's pretty good at it. He looks a lot like Spidey, and uh, I think if they don't get down low and keep him off there and coming off the edge, that could be a problem for Stafford.
0: It's interesting that we're talking about Brian Burns because I think two years ago when they took T.J. Hawkinson, a lot of there was at least a portion of the Lions fan base that thought Brian Burns was like. The no-brainer pick, considering they were having issues then rushing the passer, which they still do now. Has he been what you thought he would be as a first-round pick, or has this has year?
1: This year, yeah, I do. I, I really do. I mean, again, the hand injury really held him back last year, uh, but you saw a lot of flashes last year of what he could do and how fast he is coming off the edge, uh, whatever. Position he was lined up at, um, so I do think this is a guy. I don't think they made a miss on him. I think he is a guy that's going to be a star in this league. Um, they just need to get more pieces around him. And I, I asked him yesterday. I said, "Can you imagine what it'd be like if you had k1 Short in the middle along with Derek Brown?" And he was like, "He would have taken a boatload of, of pressure off me." So now I'm getting you know nicked all the time because people coming off and besides the left tackle, somebody's the backs you know taking a shot at him so he's he's really having to take the brunt of, of the protection from most teams and um if you had k1 in there there's just no way they could have done that because k1 while Derek brown's forte was stopping the run he's, he's all right at pushing the middle of the pack but k1's forte was pushing that middle and, and you know kind of being that guy that could get, you know flush the quarterback out of the middle and, and they just haven't had that consistently and again i think he would have You might have been looking at Brian Burns having a Pro Bowl-type year had they had K-1 there for the whole year.
0: How has Derek Brown played? Because, again, like we're talking about players that some people around the fan base at least wanted the Lions to take, Derrick Brown was a name that you heard a lot at number three at at different points during the the process. How has he developed as a rookie, like you said, more of a run-stopper? But has he been – a top 10 worthy player you think at this point oh
1: yeah i mean his first two games he was a little shaky but he he always played 100 like wide open so he was making mistakes playing wide open and in fact after his week two where he made a couple of critical errors as far as penalties you know matt rule called him into his office just to talk about you know hey i don't mind when you make those mistakes when you're you're going wide open just continue to do that but you got to tighten things up a little bit and and he's done that and his, his grades um you know, the next four or five games were among the top in the league as far as rookies. And, and so I think that he's definitely a guy that they can build around. Um, I think K1 is Short, he's been missed most of the last two years with, with injuries. I think this may be it. I, I, I think it is age now that he's over the 30 year old mark. And uh, with his salary and everything, it may be time for them to move on from him. And um, so I don't think we're going to get to see the Derrick Brown K1 Short duo in the middle next year like you're expecting to do this year but uh i, I think there brown's got a, a, a lot a options Like he's a very smart guy very uh community oriented I mean, he, he's i think he's a complete package of what you're looking for at a first round pick.
0: you mentioned jeremy chin obviously he's playing so well right now was that something that matt rule anticipated because obviously he had a little bit more knowledge of these college players maybe coming out than your typical call your typical nfl head coach did. Did he get a feel that this might be what it would be with him, or has this been a surprise, you think, to everybody?
1: Yeah, no, it wasn't a surprise to them at all. I, I had talked to, to Matt before the draft, and, and you could there was a little twinkle in his eye when you mentioned Jeremy Chan. But, but their general manager, Marty Herney, fell in love with him too, um, really early in the process. So um, I think I actually had them drafting Chen maybe in the third round, the fact they moved up at the second showed just how much they thought of him. So, no, I I, I think I I wrote in the right after the draft that he was kind of a poor man's Isaiah Simmons, but I think he might be better than Isaiah Simmons right now from the way he's playing. So, um, yeah, he came from a small school, so in Illinois, where you, a lot of people didn't hear about him, but and he had some injury problems there. And But, again, I, I think he is the real deal. Um, I saw Thomas Davis play his rookie year where they did a lot of the same stuff. He played a lot of safety and he ended up being a a pro bowl linebacker and, you know, one of the team's franchise players for a long time. So, and then Shaq Thompson's a lot of that way too, but I think Jeremy Chin's way ahead of where Shaq was as a rookie.
0: Where do you think Chin eventually settles in as a player? Because like you said, he's played what, 13 different spots or something like that on the defense? I I think think
1: (laughs) think ultimately he'll settle in as as an outside linebacker. Um, but I think they'll continue to use him in kind of that Buffalo position where he can move around because he's just that type of a player. You know, the older he gets, he'll slow down a little bit, and, but he would still be fast for an outside linebacker. So, um, yeah, I get, when they played the Chiefs, that was a – I think they could have won the game against the Chiefs had they had Jeremy Chin because they didn't have him, and they also didn't have Justin Burris for safety. And those are two guys they normally put on the tight end. Well, Travis Kelsey didn't have a touchdown, but he had like – well, I'm thinking about like 10, 9, 10, 11 catches for 159 yards. They just couldn't stop him. So he had a lot of big first downs. Um, and speaking of first downs, that's an area that the Lions – the Panthers have been horrible on third down. And so if the Lions can convert like other teams have against them. That, that has kept kept Carolina from getting off the field more than they need to.
0: Is you – you, know, you were talking a little bit about the secondary – who covers Kenny Galladay? Because Kenny Galladay seems like he's on track as of at least Thursday morning to be making his return after a couple of weeks out. Who will handle him potentially, or will it be a combination of guys?
1: Well, they're going to be without Dante Jackson, they're, uh, their second year cornerback, his toe injury. They finally decided he just got kind of to shut him down because he was trying to go every week and get in the game, you know few plays later it was sorry was out and they were having to adjust probably Troy Pride or I don't, I don't think they'll put one person on him they've been trying to play more man lately because that's ultimately what Phil Snow wants to get more in the man so they can get more pressure but they just don't have a talent there right now the Troy Pride Jr. is from Notre Dame the, the rookie he, he could get him and depending on where they line Galladay up consistently um, now if you're promising me Galladay is going to have a big game i would like to know because I've got him on my fantasy team. So uh, I'm always looking for some inside information on that. But uh, although my fantasy team's kind of been like the Panthers lately, they've kind of gone down the tubes. But uh, beyond that, yeah, you could see anybody ever on them. They've got – the secondary really right now is not very strong.
0: Yeah, and I asked that because, I mean, Galladay is a guy that really makes this offense go in a lot of ways. And Marvin Jones is dealing with an injury. Danny Amendola is dealing with an injury. So it, it kind of leaves the Lions in a situation where Galladay's their guy. So I didn't know if they, if they felt they had a guy that they could put on him where maybe they could offer some shadow help from Burris or, who, or whomever to kind of try and neutralize him a little bit. But it sounds like you don't think they have that.
1: Yeah, I think they'll probably have to use some zone if if they really really feel like they have to. There, um, you know, they it, they may go out there and say we're going to play a man to see what the young guys got. They they, they that's kind of the way Matt rule is they they want to find out what they've got, and you know, if they if they have to adjust, they'll adjust. That's been one thing Phil Snow's been pretty good at.
0: So, last thing, David Newton, what do you think happened Sunday?
1: I picked the Lions to win. Um, mainly because I haven't seen the Panthers win since, what, uh, a month and a half ago. Um, I just – the uncertainty of quarterback, and I, I think the Lions will be able to put some points on the board against this defense that I just haven't seen really stop many people. I, I thought the low point for them came last week against Tampa Bay where they just seemed like a disaster the second half. Um We'll see how good of a coach Matt Rule is, I think, this week. Can he rally the troops? Can, can he get them to the point where they're back to playing um, the type of football he wants them to? They've done it before. Um, last time McCaffrey went out, you know, after the week two, they won three straight, which stunned everybody. I think that came – I think when we did our midseason reports, I, I, they had the two words we had to describe the season. I said, fool's gold because I, I think people, after they won those three straight without Christian McCaffrey, thought, man – this team could, I even thought maybe they could make a run, at, you know, the playoffs because the NFC, you know, with an extra team, he, there was a chance. But I, I, th- I think we saw that this team still probably a year or two from being able to win consistently. So I, I got the Lions win. I think they'll score 27 to 30 points, um, just like about everybody scoring these days against them. And. Um, if Teddy's in there, I think the Panthers got a shot because I think Teddy can probably take advantage of a lion's defense and looking at their stats is not very good either.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I just where they rank against their own. I think Mike, I think they'll try to run the ball heavy with Mike Davis. Cause the, the lions haven't proven they can really stop anybody. I think what you're giving up 141 yards or something like that a game. So, um, they won't be afraid to pound the ball with Mike Davis and he runs violently out there. So he can, he can beat you there, but he also can swing out of the backfield. So I, 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 you know, I see a game like I've seen here the last month or so, just another game is probably going to come down to the last possession. And we'll be scrambling to get our evaluations done right at the final, final gun.
0: I was going to say, man, I cover the lions. That is, if a game doesn't have that, (laughs) I, I don't know what to do. I mean, they blew a 21 point lead last week <laughs> they won but they blew a 21 point lead so I'm used to that I also took the Lions mostly because of that quarterback mostly because of the quarterback issue whether you're gonna have Teddy not completely healthy or the Will Greer, Philip walker comp- combination of course Matthew Stafford also having his own injury issues he's saying he's day-to-day at this point but I have a tough time right now as we're recording again Thursday morning seeing him not play, but we'll see how that goes during the week. David, Matthew Stafford's going to be the
1: weakest. Matt Matthew Stafford is going to be, and I think Matthew Stafford's pretty good quarterback. He's going to be the weakest quarterback they face in a month because think about it—they're going against Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes. Um, He could hit Matt Ryan. The Falcons, I mean, they've gone against really quality quarter, quarterbacks. And, and, you know, Stafford, among those, is, is number five at least. And um, if I could drop him to six, I would, but I only got four or five guys there. But, yeah, I, uh, I think the Panthers have a chance to win this week. But, again, you're right, the quarterback situation.
0: Absolutely. David, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it.
1: Good to be with you. Sorry I can't see you on Sunday.
0: I want to thank my guest, David Newton, for coming on the program. You can follow him on Twitter at DNewton, D-N-E-W-T-O-N-E-S-P-N. And I highly recommend you go follow him on Instagram as well, by the way. You see a lot of pictures of his dog, Lou. Uh, big fan of his dog, Lou. And his Instagram handle is David Newton underscore 59. Like I said, highly recommend you go follow him. And you can follow me, obviously, on Twitter and Instagram, at Mike Rothstein on Facebook, at Michael Rothstein Journalist. And really appreciate you listening. Just if you've made it to the end of the podcast, a little sneak preview. So next week, here's what we're going to do with it being Thanksgiving. We'll have our normal Sunday into Monday podcast, reviewing the game. Tuesday will be a mailbag. Wednesday, more than likely, will be the podcast with the... Opposing beat writer. More than likely, we will not have a podcast on Thursday. That's as of right now, more than likely, we will not have one. If we do, it would be more of a special guest type podcast. And we'll have the typical post game podcast on Friday, and then we won't have one again until Monday. So that right now is what the schedule is going to be, but that may change. Just want to give you a heads up as for those who are loyal listeners, and I appreciate all of you out there of what this is going to look like. So with that, we will chat with you on Monday. Have an awesome weekend.